0: This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world, and we hope this helps you grow. For more information on Christian Life Center, visit us at our website, www.berwynag.org. Thank you. All through the Old Testament and the New Testament, it speaks of our life as a walk or a, a movement down a path, a journey, uh, a, and, and it's always a, something in motion, always moving towards a specific direction, a purpose that God has for us. Um, I've been reading, a, or had been reading, a book called Endurance. It's the story of the endurance. How many of you heard of, uh, of Sir Edmund Shackleton? How many of you heard, heard of him? Oh, wow. Very cool. Okay, so... And uh, wait, some of you were in the first service and you didn't hear. No, uh, so anyway, uh, so uh, Shackleton—it was one of those Antarctic explorers. He explored, uh, he, he sailed from England and went to explore Antarctica. There was a time in our in our uh, world's history where, about a hundred years ago, maybe not quite that, um, where there was a race to see who could find the the South Pole, and so he was one of those people that was racing there to find the South Pole, and. On his third trip down there, is a, this is an epic voyage, of course, because uh, you have to have a small enough ship to be able to get through the channels and make your way through the ice, and 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 then have a land team that can go find the South Pole and that kind of stuff. So, uh, on his way, on his third trip down there, he uh, found his ship locked in a in a pack of ice, and the ice pack was incredibly thick, and so he was he was trapped in the midst of that ice, and then as he was. There, the ice began to crush the bow of his ship, and so they, they basically converted that ship to to a uh, a house where they, where they could his his uh, crew of I think it was 30 men could could stay on in that ship and live in that uh, southern pole uh, climate. It's just hard to hard to imagine, you know. And then eventually that broke up. Eventually the the ice just simply ground that down, and so they, they let down a couple of lifeboats, and they began to head off, and they, and they went to an island called Elephant Island, and uh, I don't think there's any elephants there, but there's, it's called Elephant Island, and when they got there, they all sat there on the beach, and um, there was, you know, ob- obviously it was kind of some mutinous talking and things like that that were going on, and that's what makes it the epic voyage that it was. But as they were on this elephant island, it became apparent to Shackleton that he would have to lead his his, uh, team, or at least a portion of them, on a rescue mission. And so into one of those dinghies that they had on the side of the boat, he put five guys and uh, they built an extra layer of wood around the uh, top side of that so that it would keep some of the water out so they could be able to endure the hardest, the waves. In this Portion of the ocean, by the way, is the roughest portion of any ocean anywhere on the globe. And so into this dinghy, he puts five guys, five best men, one of, one of whom hated his guts by this time. And uh, and so if you if you were going on an epic voyage, I wouldn't pick somebody who hated my guts, would you? But this guy was, this guy was really, had really had skills, and so they he brought him along. He he looked past their personal disagreements and brought him along. As they climbed into this thing, they began this epic journey of trying to triangulate their way to a little small island that was 800 miles away. And the story of his life is how they would endure these excruciating, difficult, difficult at times dragging the boat across thing, uh, big, big sheets of ice. And the and, and story of their journey is, is the, the struggle to keep the boat on course. And if they, if they were to miss a little bit, one percentage point, one, just a little bit to the left or to the right, they would miss this island and they would just end up off down into the, into the Arctic Ocean and never be heard or, or, or the sea down there and, and never be uh, heard from again. And so they had to be right, right on there. Now this is... Years and years ago, so they didn't have... Their iPhone wasn't working down there. They didn't have GPS. They were just trying to do whatever they could, they could do. And, and amazingly, they made it all the way to this island, climbed over the mountain that was in the middle of the island, made it to the other side of the island. It, it took them three days to land on the island this is true, and because the packs of ice and the waves were moving the wrong direction, the winds were blowing. them. So they sat there with their goal in sight after months, seeing their their goal in sight and and they had to wait until it was just right for them to be able to get there when they got there they climbed over the mountain they finally got to a rescue group and that that group on the other side went out and rescued the rest of their team and and it took took months they had been waiting there months eating whale blubber and god knows what else in the process of that um, that's what made him famous it wasn't that he went to the pole it wasn't that he nearly beat every other nation to the pole, it was that he became Sir, uh, Sir Shackleton because he had such compassion and such purpose in his life that he would, he would use his life to, go f- to set it apart as a, as a rescue mission to save others. And so that's what, that's, what his, that's what he's known for in history. And so the movie and the books and all the things that came out of that all came because of his determination to not leave any man behind. And, so, and he was successful in that. And so when we're looking at a passage of Scripture today in, the, in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, we're looking with that in mind, that God has us on an epic journey. And so let's read the passage of Scripture today. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. It's not uncommon for authors in our world to, to define life and define life's challenges and define our purpose in life as a journey. Whether you're talking about Tolkien or you're talking about uh, C.S. Lewis and, the, and his, his travelings to Narn- Narnia, he didn't really go, but I didn't mean in the book, and or you're talking about Tolkien and the in the Lion, the Witch of the Wardrobe or the, or the, uh, the Trilogy of Tolkien where they're taking the, the, the ring to Mordor or whatever, whatever you, these are all descriptions of, of life and its hardships. See, life comes to us as a journey. We aren't where we're supposed to be all the time, right? And we aren't where we're going to be, where we're going to end up. We're in process. We're moving. We're moving forward. And as we're moving forward, we recognize our authors and our movies and our everything is about these, this this grand journey. So it's not shouldn't be uh, uncommon for us to look at the Scripture and, and for God to confirm the fact to us that we are on a path and that God has a purpose for our life and He's taking us to a place that we've never been before. And oftentimes we can see where we're supposed to go, but we don't see all the problems that are going to develop all along the way. We don't see all the things that are going to crop up and make our life hard. I, I remember when I first had children. I remember how I determined that I would not make those same mistakes that my parents made before me. That, that, that I would not say those things. I remember the, the, the first time when I had determined that I wasn't going to make any of those mistakes or say any of those things. I remember hearing my own mother's voice come out of my own mouth and say those very same things and and realize that I was possessed by the same demon that she No, uh, <laughs> that I realized that I that that that, that life throws us some uh, some unexpected things. That's what makes the journey a journey. How many of you would say this ain't been no walk in the park? Raise your hand if you'd say that. About your, yeah, say that's about eighty-five percent. Boy, we hardly ever agree on that that much on anything. But we we agree this Christian walk ain't been no walk in the park. But God has a place and a purpose and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, a vision of what our life will be. And He we sometimes are completely clueless. Sometimes we hear it and we're afraid to believe it. Sometimes he whispers it into our ear or he bursts the desire on the inside of our heart and we're afraid to move forward to go any further than that. If we recognize that that life is a, is a journey, that this whole idea is that, that, that we're moving this, this, this journey, then we have to determine what it is that God is doing in our life. Are we, are we just going to the jewel or are we going to Mordor to burn a ring? What are we doing with our life? Are we, are we slaying dragons or are we just trying to get a paycheck? What is it that we're doing with our life? The purpose of our life in this journey has a, has a, has a focus, and so we've got to hear what the Lord is saying to the church. The path, of course, begins, every journey begins, with one single step. But where to begin? Where do you set your foot? How do you walk on the path that God has for you? Choosing the path is the most important thing. And to make it much more complicated, the path must be chosen over and over and over again. I've been reading a book called Hiking Through, and it's about a guy who who hiked the Appalachian Trail and he had determined at the very beginning, the Appalachian Trail is a couple thousand miles long from Georgia to Maine, and he was hiking it. It was an act of mourning for his wife had passed away from cancer. And so he had determined that he was going to walk every step of the official trail. Now, along the ways, when things get really tired, they're real hard, there are, there are, there are uh, blue, blue blazoned trails, they're called blue trails. And, and you, can, you can not go over the mountain and just go on the blue trail. Uh, some guys will even jump over on the highway and hitchhike a little further down where it's not so hard you know sometimes people will do that but he had determined from the very beginning that he was going to walk every trail the official trail all the way through from Georgia to Maine he wanted to do it all the right way there were times actually along that time when he thought maybe he had made a mistake maybe he's being too hard on himself maybe he shouldn't have pushed himself so hard but he had determined you see the choice that you make before you launch into your journey, the choice that you make about what you're going to be, how you're going to live your life, what you're going to be known for, that happens on the inside of your heart before one step is taken. You have to make a determination. I remember reading a book not long ago where they, where they, uh, they said, the author encouraged us to imagine your funeral. That's a real picker-upper, isn't it? Imagine your funeral. Imagine your funeral, what are they going to say as they approach your casket? What were they what are they going to say? What are they going to say as they're sitting in the coffee room talking? What are they going to say about your life? You know, now we know what some of them are going to say, you know, but <laughs> I'm not saying what do you well let's say it this way, what do you want them to say about your life? What do you want them to say about your life? Because if you want them to say he was a godly man, then you got some business and prayer to do, right? If you want them to say he was faithful, then you have to remind yourself every day that that's what I want them to say about me when I'm done. If you want them to say, if you want to hold you in high esteem, then you have to do something worthy to be held in high esteem. That's not something that happens by accident. No man ever tripped into righteousness. No man ever fell into being a man of God. You have to make a determination. I will not be like the rest of the world. If you can't make that determination, then your journey is going to be a very easy one. You will just follow the flow of the rest of the world. But if you determine in your mind that you will choose the path very carefully because you know what you want to be, you know what you, you suspect what God has for you, and you know what you want to be before the Lord, then you will mind your P's and Q's. You will take every step very carefully along the way. The Bible tells us many times in the book of Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. And 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 we find ourselves at times working our way down a a path and we suddenly realize this is the wrong path. Uh, I remember this girl I was dating. I was dating her and I really uh, felt like maybe we should be together and then suddenly it became apparent to me this was the wrong path. How many of you ever had that? uh, (laughs) I think she had the same revelation at the same time. This dude is the wrong path for me. These these things that we do in our life, we're we're endeavoring to find the path that God has for us. In one page away, in in, in Proverbs chapter 4, there's this uh, this exhortation from Solomon to his sons. Do not set your foot on the path of the wicked, or walk in the way of the evildoers. Avoid it, do not travel on it, turn from it and go your way. For they cannot rest until they do evil, they are robbed of sleep until they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and they drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous, however, is like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what mistakes and what makes them stumble. So listen, listen to the idea here is that there's, a, there's an easy path and there's a difficult path. There's a right path and there's a wrong path. There's a, there's, it's, it's important for us. In fact, we're told by the, in the Scripture, even in Proverbs 5, Your ways are in full view of the Lord. He examines all your paths. God is going to hold us accountable for the things that we choose to do in our life. So it's it's, it's our pathway. It's our behavior. It's our ethical and character character standing that that God evaluates in our own life so when we look at the word of God we say okay so this journey that I'm on God you have to give me direction that's that's key for us to be able to understand what God has for us Moses said to the people of Israel I set before you today life and prosperity or death and destruction you choose choose you this day whom you will serve right we recognize this is, the, this is the nature of our life, is that we are making that choice every single day. In fact, we could say we make it many times a day. That sometimes temp, what temptation really is, is is an enticement to leave the path that God has designed for you. It's to say, just come on over here a little bit. Lose your way in the woods a little bit. Get lost over in this. When temptation comes, it's to, to deviate us from the path that God has for us. To take us on a different journey than the one that God has assigned us. And God has assigned us specific journeys for His purpose, His honor, and His glory. God wants to be glorified in your life. I want to give you that. That you say, you may say, well, you don't know me. I've been, I've been so far gone. I've, 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 I've fallen away from the Lord. Or maybe I've, I don't even know the Lord yet today. I can say. To you that no matter how steeped in sin that your life has been, God still wants to bring honor and glory to Himself through you. He can use you. He has a purpose for you. No matter how far down in the barrel you are, God can use you. You may say, "Well, I'm old." It doesn't make a difference. God can glorify Himself in you if you will allow Him to let you be walking on the journey. So, so very simply, the Scripture gives us a couple of keys here for walking this journey. Don't you want to know the the keys that will make your journey successful? They're very plain in the Scripture. This is not great revelation. This is just me reading the text to you. Everything about this is about faith. Very rarely will you see a person who knows all that God wants to do through their life. In fact, most people, their testimony could be summed up like this. I thought God was going this way, but God turned me around and sent me that way. And you can fill out the specifics, but God always knows what he's doing in our life. He is is superintending our life. He is watching over our life. He is directing us and leading us and guiding us. And we are are, are not always encouraged, you know. We're not always encouraged by the things that he takes us through. But as as we're going through them, we are comforted by the idea that God knows exactly where we are. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's not a halfway thing. It's an all-in thing. It's not a halfway thing. It's you have to be completely sold out to the Lord with your faith. That's really what we struggle with, you know. Half-hearted measures account us nothing. They, get, they 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 get us nothing when we are believing God on Sunday and then doubting God on Monday and then believing Him on Wednesday and doubting Him on Thursday, that we just waffle around back and forth, tossed around by the, by the waves of the ocean and we're not accomplishing anything. There isn't anyone who said, I gave it half my heart and I accomplished something. No, great things are only accomplished, epic journeys are only accomplished by people who fully commit themselves. Once Shackleton shoved off from into the ocean, he reached a point where they could no longer turn back oftentimes we just have to burn the bridge behind us you see in the days when there were great explorers i mean there are, we, we can explore mars and we can explore up in space and stuff but realistically you know not to be a wet blanket on your dream but you're probably not going to space right you're probably not going to go but some of you are already in space Some of us are just taken up. My way was no, I'm going to. Oh, Okay, so, so you're probably see that was a path I could have gone down, but I didn't go down it. Choices. So, so we we live our lives with this understanding. We 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 know that God. There used to be people who were bold, right? Now we just want to be comfortable. There used to be people who said, I want to go see what that part of the world is like, and I've never been there before. And I will sell everything and buy a boat and put a bunch of guys on there, and we will go out there and we will find the Galapagos Islands, or we will discover what Antarctica is like. We will. We, where is the boldness in our world today? We're lacking a great deal of boldness, don't you think? I mean, we just want to be comfortable. Some of us are, are just... Our, our journey, we think our journey is I'm going to go to work this week and then get a check on Friday and put a little bit away for my retirement. How bold that's not. Right? It's not bold. What, what's bold is to be able to break new ground, to, to, to do new things, to to. Break beyond the things that you're, you're doing to have a vision of your life and a vision of, of your future and, and have a determination that you will... You, and where is that if, if the people of God, if the church of God doesn't have that? See, most of us just let life happen to us. We get kicked over here because of some circumstance and then we try to settle in over here and then that circumstance kicks us over here and we just allow or we find ourselves groping and manipulating our way through life trying to move from one comfortable position to another comfortable position rather than just saying I'm willing to be uncomfortable to fulfill the vision that God has for my life. In our, in our Berean class we've been studying the book of Acts and I yeah, I'm amazed at the Apostle Paul, not for what's written in Scripture, but for what's not written in Scripture, is the fact that this guy, with through all the hardship and all the endured he, it was a great endurance test for all these missionary journeys are tremendous journeys of, of uh, he's being stoned and, and hurt and wounded and they're trying to kill him every place he's going and we read about oh this this church or that church that's established and we concentrate on all the spiritual things that are happening but think of how after the end of the first journey after he goes out there and he's and he's being uh, 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 his, he's, they're trying to kill him he's coming back with with scars on his on his uh, body as he comes back from the first journey he, he, goes, he comes back and he goes, when can we go again? See, See, people who are that bold, people who are emboldened by the Holy Spirit to that degree, comfortable church people say they're crazy. They say they're crazy. They picked up everything and they went to that mission field. Comfortable church people say, nobody should do that. It's not right. I know that because sometimes parents will say to their children when they're called the missions, "Oh, there's got to be another way." Right? Isn't that we hear all the time? You know, I I was talking to a missionary friend who's he's he's, he moved his his wife and he to to another place on the globe, another place in a Muslim country. His parents are scared out of their mind. Now they've had a baby in this Muslim country. His And the grandparents are scared out of their mind. And they're saying things that are exactly contrary to their own faith. Good Christian grandparents saying, bring them home. Don't let them stay there. We don't want you. see, we lose the boldness. You know who it happens to easiest? Old people. Come on, old people. You know who you are. We want to be comfortable. We say things like, I did my time in the nursery. Now it's time for somebody else. We don't want to be bold anymore. We want to change lives for Jesus. We just want to sit and soak. We lose our boldness. This is a life of faith. This is an adventure of faith. You say, if you don't have faith, if you evaluate your life and you say, I don't need much faith for my life, then you're doing it wrong. The adventure, the epic journey that God has called you to has blind spots that you can't see. You you, you may not know how you're going to afford it. You may not, and you have to be willing to say, I will trust in the Lord with all my heart. Let me give you an encouraging word. I have yet to hear someone called in the ministry who said to me, God did not come through for me. I didn't know where I was coming from. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I didn't know what God was going to do through me or in me, but this is is my testimony. God was faithful every step of the way. So we should be encouraged to step out because no half-hearted devotion can change us. Only full-throated faith. Lean not on your own understanding. This doesn't mean that you can't use your intellect to understand some things in the faith. You can use your intellect to understand some things. But it means you can't use your intellect alone to understand what God is doing. Your intellect alone will not be able to grasp what it is that God is doing. That's why whenever somebody steps out in faith, people say, you're crazy. Pastor friends that I pray with when we bought this building, you know what they said? You're crazy. It's really true. People say... You, you want to launch out into that venture? You're crazy. Why would you do that? Why would you put yourself out for those people who are ungrateful? Why would you launch into a ministry to feed poor people who don't, who don't deserve it? Why would, you, why, would you, why would you do any of that? Well, because God saw me and realized I didn't deserve it, and yet His great love and mercy reached down to my life. You see, the longer I'm on the journey with Christ, the more I begin to think like Christ. And His mind is being made up in me. He's beginning to change my mind as I go along that journey. But it's so easy to step off that path and walk in a different path. So easy to go a different direction. So I have to keep my mind focused on Him. And I have to lean not upon my own understanding, but upon a Spirit-inspired discernment that somehow quickens something on the inside of my life. We must learn from those people who have gone before us, who sacrificed and have changed the nations, who've altered uh, the history of mankind, who set uh, humanity free from slavery and suffering. The wisdom that we're looking for is beyond our intellect. We're looking for the founder's wisdom. Let me tell you a story. My wife and I purchased a used vehicle not too long ago, a 2013 Ford F-150, big red one, so we'd be noticed everywhere we go. (laughs) And so we bought this big truck and It has a cool feature on it. It has a number on the side on the door where you where you can, if you know the number, you can get into the car. I didn't know the number. But I I knew it wouldn't be long before I locked my keys in the car and I would need to know that number. So I went on the internet and I said, Would be nice to know this number. How can I find this number? And on the internet said on the 2012 version, all you have to do is take apart the dashboard and find the computer and then flip it over, and the number will be on the back of the computer. So for some reason that only God knows, in the, in the Myers parking lot, over here in Berwyn, I decided today's the day I will dismantle the dashboard. <laughs> I'd seen the video. It looked so easy on the video. So I began to take it apart. It was my day off. I could do that and drink a cup of coffee, and it wouldn't be bad. It was kind of cold out. So I started taking the dashboard apart, and then I, f- I found the computer, and the computer—the numbers were on the computer, but they were facing the wrong direction. And so I, uh, I, I kind of bent it out like this, you know, and, I, and then I realized that I'm old and I can't focus on those numbers. I can't read those numbers. Not to be deterred, because my arm's only so long, I, 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 just, I got my phone out and I took a picture of it. First picture it was blurry because it wouldn't focus. The second picture was dark and I couldn't see it because it was too dark. Third picture had half the number on it, but I, I couldn't get the whole number on it. Uh, fourth picture, I kept, I kept bending it, and, I'm, and I know this is the computer that runs the whole car. Some of you are going, how stupid are you? Listen, I, it said that that between that uh, the 2012 version, that's what you had to do, and I was like. How much difference could there be between the 2012 version and 2013 version? I mean, it just couldn't be, how, it couldn't be that much difference, right? And so finally I got frustrated. I couldn't see the darn thing. My arms weren't long enough. I couldn't focus the, the, the thing. I just put it back together there in the Myers parking lot and came home. And when I came home, I had, I had groceries I had to get out of the car, and so I put the groceries in the house, and then I sat in front of the house, and I went into the glove box, and there was the, the manual... The manual for the actual truck and I open up the manual and it said that you just take one key and turn it forward and then turn it back and then you put the other key in turn it forward and turn it back and it appears for you on the right on the little screen and I know you think you're one of God's special children right now that's what you're (laughs) thinking I know that's what you're thinking right now and then it's occurred to me that it's so much easier to live life by the manufacturer's manual. See, what the wisdom we're looking for is found right there in that book. Written by the maker of you and I. And if we will live our lives being obedient to the things that he, If we we'll just do it His way, the path is so much easier. And then we... If we if we learn to glean wisdom from people who have been that way before us and 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 ask them learn from them how how do you pray how did how, how did you see miracles in your ministry how did you do and we begin to glean the wisdom of those who have gone before us see there's I can lean not upon my own understanding but, but lean upon God and His wisdom and lean upon the people of God who've gone that way before me and I can bring all that together in some kind of conglomeration in my life and I can, I can uh, attempt to walk this way with a kind of wisdom that is divinely inspired in my life. And then it says, the third thing it says to do is to submit to God in all your ways. This is what we call discipleship. We, we, we take All of our ways. Not some of our ways, not half of our ways, but all of our ways. And we say, this is how God is. How does that apply to my finances? How does that apply to my marriage? How does that apply to my raising children? How does that apply to my ministry? How does that apply to all these different areas of my life? And I take those things because there's, you know, the the way I used to spend money is not the way I can spend money anymore because it's not all mine anymore. It's his. The way I used to live my life, the way I used to react to people when they'd make me angry, for instance, isn't the way I'm allowed to act anymore because I'm not my own. I am His. You see, it's taking my life and saying, God, help me. I'm a broken man. Help me to submit my ways to Your ways. Infect my life, Lord, with the virus of Your love. Infect my life, Lord God, with your wisdom. Infect my life, Lord, so that, so that every bit of me is completely contaminated by Jesus. So that everything I do is changed. You see, anything less than that is a half-hearted discipleship, sort of a half-baked following Jesus and destined to trip and fall and stumble my way. But when I surrender my entirety, the entirety of myself, then God can take my life and make this this pathway I'm walking an epic journey of radical, radical transformation. See, it's so simple, isn't it? God's promise is that if you do those things, if you trust him with all your heart, if you lean not upon your own understanding, if if you submit in all your ways to the Lord, then he will make your paths straight. He'll make your path smooth. You know, most of the things we trip over along in our life are sins and difficulties that we've invited into our life, right? But when we submit, our life becomes so much smoother, so much easier, so much less difficult. It doesn't have to be this difficult. Have you ever said that? Why is my life so difficult? Have you looked at your spouse ever and said, why is loving you so difficult. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm just saying, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. It's okay if you say, why is loving me so difficult? But be prepared, there's a list. See, the reality of our life is is that we often, even as Christians, aren't doing it God's way. Oh, we show up in church and we give God something in the basket and we read our Bible and we might pray, but we're not really doing it God's way. When we completely submit to God's way, he begins to smooth the paths out. He doesn't take all the stones out. He doesn't remove all the difficulty. He doesn't make it all downhill. Wouldn't that be nice if it was all downhill? There will be uphill portions of your journey. That's what makes it an epic saga. I think to myself about Shackleton, who had the choice to sit by the fire and do nothing, or to launch into an epic journey that everyone said he was crazy to do and the chances, the percentages were very low for him to survive, and to go out and say, I must save people's lives. Are we doing for ourselves, or are we doing for souls? Are we just being comfortable? Are we just trying to be comfortable? Are we just trying to get through another week? Are, are you going to go to work in the morning and you recognize the whole purpose of your place there is to get you a paycheck? Or are you going to see yourself as a divine rescue mission? Going to the place that you are employed to try to save some. Maybe just one. Try to reach one for Jesus. What? is your journey? What is your journey? Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were blessed by it. If there's anything that we can do to help you further your relationship with God, we would love to be a part of it. You can contact us through our website, www.berwinag.org Thank you, and God bless.